Thanks, Howard. Our friends, uh, let, let's pray. Father, as we uh, read these verses, uh, we realise what your people of old were on about and uh, therefore how they responded to what you had done. Uh, this was a church that I'm sure we would have loved to have been part of. Uh, please help us at NHA to be more like this first Christian church and therefore what they were devoted to. And especially move us to wanting to be very generous rather than begrudgingly give or not even give at all. In Jesus' name, amen. Our friends, uh, uh, today we're obviously looking at giving generously. Now, partly because we have lived uh, for a long time now in, uh, in a self-saturated society, and partly because we are related to Adam and Eve, we tend to not want to give generously to each other. I would also add sacrificially, let alone to the one who has ultimately provided everything for us, God. Instead, we cry, we are poor, and we want, almost need, more. And I, for one, know what uh, that is like. Before I turned to Christ, I was on a very high income. But following Christ has involved zero income for three years and a low income ever since. Also, Sue went from a very high income to zero and has been on zero for 40 years. Yes, we know what it is like. And so reading about the first Christian church and what they were like... <laughs> blows our mind. I guess yours too. A part of me jokes about it all, and so I usually say that the first verse in Deuteronomy chapter 15, the Old Testament reading today, should be read by the four major banks. <laughs> At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. <laughs> yes, it's always easier to point the finger at someone else <laughs> But in saying that, it would be nice to have had one's mortgage cancelled, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, let's have a look at what the first Christian church was like. You may wish to <clears throat> look at your sermon outline or church-provided Bible or your own Bible, including the Bible on your phone. In the NIV, uh, in verses 44 and 45, we are told this. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So we have two things here. The first is this, they had everything in common. The second is this, they sold stuff to help each other. You could say that the spirit, the earlier part of Acts chapter 2, so moved them that even though their flesh no doubt opposed such generosity, that they were still very generous indeed. Are we generous at NHA? This is how they are described. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Uh, the first thing I want us to consider is their unity. 
They had everything in common. Now, no doubt they didn't have everything in capitals common, as they wouldn't have been sharing their husbands and wives around. (laughs) But they had everything, lowercase, in common. But what on earth does that specifically mean? Does that just mean they shared their stuff, realising it wasn't theirs anymore? Like, that is a very big thing from where we might be at in Cairns, Australia. Like, I tend to think it is my car or my battery drill or my money or my home or my boat or my holiday house. Fill it in. And so it better return to me in good order. (laughs) Don't you? But is it? Is it mine? In two chapters' time, we have some words that I think help us here. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, we are told, all the believers were one, were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. So it becomes clear as one reads on, it's because they are all the same. They were one in heart, mind. It's like I have a special bond with people from the Shire. (laughs) And especially if you support Cronulla. (laughs) That is, Jesus is now their very rightful Lord, boss, and their much-needed saviour for all of them. They were in one heart and mind now. It is even part of Jesus' prayer in John 17. He wants us to be one, just like the Father and the Son and no doubt the Holy Spirit are. But there is more than just that. What flows on from that is this. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything they had. I sometimes think that we don't realise the unity we now have. I've decided to uh, help me, <laughs> as I'm such a slow learner in this, that when, of our, when, when one of our three sons asks if they can borrow a certain tool, that, I, that uh, if I have it, that I will simply give it to them. I don't loan things to them, but don't tell them that. (laughs) No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Hmm. It's no wonder that such generosity is part and parcel of the uh, family in which we now belong. After all, the son and the father have been so generous to us. Not only have they forgiven us, not only have we been given the Holy Spirit, but we have also been given the gift of eternal life. It's therefore no wonder that the New Testament doesn't spell out that one doesn't need to tithe anymore. That is, regularly give 10%. 
Rather, our, giving sh- our regular giving should at least be a tithe. Generosity and sacrificial giving is the new norm for God's family. Even when one is on the pension now. And why? Because God has been so generous to us. As an aside, for those of us wanting to know more, we have produced this booklet. They are on the entrance table and are free, so please take one. Also, as an aside, Sue told me that I should mention (laughs) that I haven't really spoken about money for 12 months now, even though you might think I'm always on about it. Actually, in the West, I think one should probably always be on about it. One could say that Jesus was, way back then. In 11 of his 39 parables, 11, he mentions money. After all, the love of it can keep one out of heaven, 1 Timothy 6.10. It's no wonder then that God's family not just sold their possessions, but also sold land and houses to help in the needs of the church. I can still very clearly remember how someone gave at the church I was at, and this was 20 years ago now, $420,000 to be able to purchase a property and therefore help with the needs of the church at that time. I can also remember, and this is another example of what we, one can do, uh, is that a church gave the church that I was part of a gift of, and it was more than 30 years ago, $250,000 to help finish off the church's new building. Yes, joyful generosity and obedient sacrifices mark God's united family. In saying that, that should have always marked God's united family. God's united family is not just on about faithful teaching, loving fellowship and earnest prayer. It should also be on about joyful generosity and obedient sacrifices. The second thing is therefore their generosity. Are you, am I, generous in not just the time we give to others and to God and in the service we give to others and to God, but also, dare I say, the money we give to others and to God? It seems that because money is needed to keep things going, property and possessions are part are what the first Christians sold to help each other, including helping their church. And sometimes that even meant selling real estate. Compare Acts 4.37. Now, not everyone is in a position to sell real estate they own, but that is what some of these first Christians did. From no doubt being one in heart and mind, now saved through Jesus and moved by God's Spirit. They sold stuff, including land and houses, 
to help their local church. You could say that their local church, therefore, was no doubt always in a good financial position. Well, what are our needs at Anchorage? The obvious one, <laughs> and uh, this morning made me realise this too, <laughs> is having our own facility one day. But unless we have the money up front uh, to make an offer, that might be quite hard to do. In the meantime, we are trying to make do and also learning what we will one day need. But many of our leaders are starting to think that the one day is quickly approaching. And as we are in the business of making disciples of Jesus, we need to be very seriously thinking about this and praying about this. The not so obvious one is that of succession planning. No, I'm not thinking of going next week. <laughs> but only God knows that one. But in saying that, we do need to pray and consider what to do. It is being responsible and not blind to the obvious. I'm told that we are probably the largest church in the Southern Cross Diocese and should be able to easily afford another pastor. I'm also told that a church family only needs now 10 people who at least tithe to employ someone full-time. Perhaps, and I'm just throwing it out there for God to lead us, we might be able to employ another pastor soon, maybe specifically for our younger families. And if things work out, they'll replace me one day. But all of this sort of thinking comes down to not only whether the Lord provides a suitable facility and an additional pastor, but as to how generous how generous we give money. Now that we are united by Jesus and by the Holy Spirit in heart and mind. You know, I think it's fairly easy to be focused on faithful teaching and loving fellowship, but not that easy to be focused on earnest prayer, let alone being very generous with money. It's no wonder that Jesus says you cannot be devoted to both God and money, Matthew 6.24. In saying all of this, perhaps it is something we have overlooked or maybe even forgotten. It was something that Sue and I overlooked until I was asked by the senior pastor at the time to preach on it. <laughs> it's certainly not something that God has overlooked or forgotten. He knows exactly what we can be like. He says, don't forget this or don't overlook it. He therefore says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 2 Corinthians 9.6. Good to see you, Graham and Tony, and Anne with an E. <laughs> the bottom line is that the Lord wants us to obviously be very generous, so generously. And he will ultimately provide for us, reap generously. And I can tell you, he has for us personally 
in ways we never imagined. I'll leave you with an example. You can therefore put your pens down if you're using one. <laughs> we, Sue, I, Troy, Glenn and Scott are here in Cairns today simply because of people's generosity. A Christian brother and sister's generosity. And not long before we moved to Cairns, for a while we were on zero income. It was the second time in our life. First time was the three years whilst at Bible college. But this time it was different because we knew how God had provided for us in the past and that he will once again provide for us, and he did. You see, not long before we came to Cairns in 2000, a very generous Christian brother and sister in Christ gave us a house to stay in for six months. A house more or less on the waterfront. After that, we were also given a car and a whole lot of money. At the time, I could hardly believe that our Lord would provide for us so richly in this way, through the generosity of others. But he did. And when I look back on it, I still go, wow, God is so generous. Perhaps you have a similar story of how our Lord generously provided for you. But he usually uses the generosity of others. The first Christian church was very generous. We at NHA can be just like them or not like them at all. The choice is ours. My prayer is that we will be like them. And the reason? Because of how generous God has been, is and will be to us. Amen. Thank you very much, Craig. Thank you very much.